Matthew chapter 1, beginning with verse 17. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from the dream, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem, O Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler, who will be shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt. And remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I have called my son. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Please be seated. 
I had a friend of mine who's a pastor call me yesterday, and he said, by the time you get up there, all of the kids in the room are thinking the same thing. There's only one thing standing between me and my presence, and it's how long that bald guy's gonna talk. <laughs> so kids, I see you out there, I hear you, I'll try to do my best here to get you to the presence. But imagine for a moment, imagine you had been kept from any kind of Christmas celebration. And then on your 18th birthday, you were brought to Williamsburg, Virginia to celebrate Christmas. What is it that you would think we were celebrating around here? Now, kids, if you're a little younger than that, imagine that you've never celebrated Christmas at all. No one's told you what it's about. And on your 10th birthday, someone drops you right here. And you go, what is it that these people are celebrating? I started imagining this scenario at the Williamsburg Christmas Parade. And, and so I thought, what would we be celebrating? What would someone think we're doing here? We've got a mice. We've got mice. One of them has a sword, okay, moving on to the, the next thing. Let's figure out what this is about. Okay, we have, we have cars with, with some stuffed animals in the back, and then we have some bikes, and the bikes, they've got stuffed animals on the back too, so, so maybe this thing has something to do with stuffed animals. I'm pretty sure lots of stuffed animals gotta be about stuffed animals. But then the next bike had a tree, and so now I'm confused because I have seen a lot of trees, but the next tree that I saw was really just a prop for some guy to sing some songs. But speaking of trees, you could leave the Williamsburg Christmas Parade and go down to Colonial Williamsburg. There's a very special tree this year. They have a, a, new, a tree, uh, it's a new tree in Colonial Williamsburg. This tree moves, it's a person. They don't put your arm around you. They put a branch around you and let you take pictures with them. So you're, you're thinking it's on to trees. These trees are, are very important, but you haven't understood what the celebration is all about from Williamsburg, so you decide to head east, down 64. You end up in Newport News at a house that your friend told you about, and the house is filled with lights, but specifically, these lights seem to be moving to a beat. So you tune your radio in to 89.9 to see what is it really that we are celebrating. And the music starts and, and you start to hear a word spelled out. The word is Noel and, and you start to hear N-O-E-L. But it's to the tune of Y-M-C-A. <laughs> N-O-E-L. It was, it was crazy. Over and over again, N-O-E-L, and you are just more confused than you were when you were in Williamsburg. And so all of this is why I believe we, we resonate with our cultural icons who have decided to go public with their Christmas confusion and frustration. Like Charlie Brown just shouting, isn't there anyone who can tell me what Christmas is all about. Or maybe it's Faith Hill singing ever so softly. Where are you, Christmas? I don't know. There's all kinds of strange stuff around me. Where, where are you, Christmas? Or my favorite is not the shouting of Charlie Brown or the singing of Faith Hill. It's really the emphatic declaring of Ellen Griswold. Well, I don't know what to tell you, except it's Christmas and we're all in misery. I'm here this evening to try to point out 
that the first Christmas, the first Christmas was a bit confusing and frustrating for those involved as well. Matthew chapter one, verses 18 and 19. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Can you imagine the shouting that took place at that first Christmas? Isn't anyone faithful to their promises anymore? Can you imagine the singing that took place at the first Christmas? I imagine Joseph probably sang some psalms of lament that he had memorized from his childhood, maybe saying something like, how long will it hurt, O Lord? How long will I be put to shame because of what has happened? My betrothed wife is pregnant. How long, O Lord? Or maybe there were some just emphatic declarations on that first Christmas. Maybe Joseph said something like, I'm never trusting anyone again. But in the midst of all of the shouting, the singing of the Psalms of Lament, and maybe even Joseph's emphatic declarations, Joseph did something else as well. It's recorded in Matthew 1.20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. In the midst of it all, Joseph still takes time to consider Christmas. He considers, as he considered these things, what is it that you think we're celebrating at Christmas? Has any confusion or frustration bled into your time of celebration? I want to ask us all this evening to join with Joseph and consider Christmas from Matthew chapter 1 and 2. I think there's a lot to consider here. Maybe we could consider Christmas is the hinge of history. Right there in Matthew 1.17, you see, so all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. We've been walking through the historical books of the Bible this Advent season, and what you see at the end of Matthew's great list of all of the historical characters that, that led to this great moment in the Bible, what he wants you to see is that it all hinges on Jesus. 14 generations to David, 14 generations to Babylon, 14 generations to Jesus Christ. He's the hinge upon which all history turns. He wants us to consider that in Jesus, we have the dawn of a new creation. And in Matthew 1, 18, he talks about the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. And he uses a very interesting word for the word birth. In the Greek language where he's writing, he uses the word genesis. 
He's trying to bring your mind back to the first book of the Bible when God created the heavens and the earth. Jesus, excuse me, Matthew is saying the birth of Jesus Christ, the genesis of Jesus Christ. It's the start of a new creation project that this world that is so tired and broken and just feels like it doesn't work sometimes, that God has a new creation project going on. And the first sign, that dawn of new creation is the birth of Jesus Christ. Matthew wants us to consider that, that Christmas is the triumph of faith over fear. When the angel shows up to Math, excuse me, when the angel shows up to Joseph, he says the same thing that he says to Mary. Do not fear. Do not fear. For what is in Mary is of the Holy Spirit. You imagine all the fears that Joseph had. They must have been many, as his whole life has just been upended by this news that his, his soon-to-be spouse was pregnant the confusion, the frustration, the fear at how his life would change, not to mention the fear of all of God's people as they had recently in their history, just a few hundred years, had returned from a long and dark exile in the land of Babylon only to be conquered once again by the Roman Empire. Imagine their fears living in an occupied country, not having any freedom to move this way or that way without the permission of the Romans. And in this moment, Matthew asks us to consider with the angel saying, do not fear. In this moment, maybe your faith in God is justified. Maybe he will do as he said he would do. It's not just the triumph of faith over fear. Matthew wants us to consider that Christmas is the very revelation of God's character the revelation of God's nature, that this virgin shall conceive and bear a son, they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us, that God is no longer out there. God who is out there has become down here. God who is lofty has become low. We can know him. We can understand him. We could even touch him. It's not just the revelation of God, it's the multiplication of salvation. That in chapter two, we, we meet these mysterious figures known as wise men or magi. They, they come from the east because they saw a star and, and heard that a great king had been born and they, they followed this star. This picks up on something that took place that was promised long ago in scripture. We've been walking through the entire story of the Bible uh, this year at the, at the chapel, and we'll pick up the story with the books of wisdom and poetry in January, but right toward the very beginning, when we started our study, we met a man named Abraham, and God said, the, the new creation project that will come about at Christmas, I'm gonna plant some seeds with you. Jesus will come from your family, Abraham, and your family will be a blessing to all nations. And when Jesus is born, the nations begin to come in as symbolized by these wise men descending on Jerusalem and salvation, which God's people thought was just for them, is now multiplied. And we see this good news of great joy is for all people, all who would believe. 
But it's not just the multiplication of salvation that Matthew wants us to consider that Christmas is the fulfillment of Scripture, not just God's promise to Abraham, though it did fulfill that. It fulfilled all of the great promises in the Old Testament. Matthew quotes the Bible multiple times here. He says, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, by no means shall be least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. He quotes directly from the book of Micah, the prophet Micah, and say what Micah declared is now fulfilled at Christmas time. It's not just the fulfillment of Scripture that Matthew wants us to consider. He wants us to consider that Christmas, in Christmas, is the dethroning of all false kings. All the false kings that we place our trust in. All the ways we try to prop up our life and worship that which is not worthy of our lives. They're dethroned at Christmas. You meet a man named Herod who's introduced as the king, but when the wise men come, they say, we're seeking a greater king. And Herod is perplexed by this. Herod says, I wanna find him. I wanna get rid of him. And ultimately, Herod, Herod is unsuccessful. And we gather this day, 2,000 years later, not to talk about Herod's short reign in Judea, but about Jesus Christ who will come again to reign for all eternity. But Matthew doesn't want you just to consider the dethroning of false kings. He wants you to see the true joy that comes from worshiping the true king. That as the wise men come and they open their, their treasure chests before the king and they present him with gifts, they don't weep giving up that which is so valuable, gold, and frankincense and myrrh? No, they rejoice. It says that they rejoiced exceedingly. And not just that they rejoiced exceedingly, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy as they sacrificed and as they worshiped. But Matthew doesn't want you just to consider the joy of the true king. He wants you to consider Christmas is the ultimate exodus. That as the holy family flees to Egypt and eventually returns the scripture from Hosea is fulfilled out of Egypt, I called my son, recalling the great exodus of God's people from slavery under Pharaoh. But now a greater exodus will take place, not from slavery, but from sin and its consequence, death. Joseph considered Christmas. Have you? Now kids, I told you I'd be short and I just gave you nine things to consider, but there's an old saying that goes something like this, the more points in the preacher's sermon, the more presents under the tree, okay? So make sure you tell your moms and dads that the pastor said that. So you have nine considerations for Christmas in 2019, okay, kids? Because Joseph considered these things. And when he considered these things, it led him to some action it's actually an interesting thing about Joseph in the story. He's silent. There's not one word from Joseph that is recorded in all of history. There's not one word of Joseph recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. He's silent. He only obeys. Matthew chapter 1, verse 24 Joseph woke from sleep. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. 
not a word. He considers, he considers Christmas, responds in obedience, because as he considers Christmas, he becomes so captivated by what God is doing, he decides it's worth it. I will withstand all the ridicule that's coming my way. I will boldly place duty ahead of doubt and faith in front of my fear. Surely Joseph had to reject the advice of some of his closest confidants and in turn experience rejection by his friends and family who were refusing to consider Christmas. They refused to consider that God's story, though unconventional, should not have been unexpected, that this is what was foretold by the prophets. And so I ask, what would make someone so bold to silently move into obedience with so much on the line? Well, I think we must put an asterisk beside Joseph's silence. While we don't have a word recorded that we, he spoke, we do know he said at least one thing. It's not a quote, but it's a command that we know he obeyed. It's in verse 25. But he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. One word. This man that is known 2,000 years later, we know one word that he said. In the midst of everything he could have been shouting that first Christmas, in the midst of all the songs of lament he could have been singing when he heard the news about his soon-to-be wife, in the midst of all the emphatic declarations he could have made, he said one word. You see, Joseph considers Christmas and becomes captivated by Jesus. Everything we see and experience this time of year becomes an opportunity for us to consider Christmas. And in doing so, for us to become captivated by Jesus. We see lights, let them point us to the light of the world, Jesus Christ. We open gifts, let those gifts point us to God's ultimate gift of salvation through faith in him. We share a meal, let that point us to the fullness that we have in Jesus Christ, that everything else will leave us unsatisfied. We eat the greatest Christmas dinner only to need breakfast the next morning. You get in an argument with your extended family. Yes, that can happen. I've heard. Let that point you to the fact that in Jesus Christ, we can become reconciled to God and each other. For he is the hinge of history, the dawn of the new creation, the triumph of faith over fear, the revelation of God, the multiplication of salvation. He is the fulfillment of scripture. Jesus Christ dethrones all false kings. In his presence, we have fullness of joy. And through faith in him, we can experience the ultimate exodus. All of this, if we will pause and in silence consider Christmas and then become captivated by Jesus. Will you in silence now consider Christmas?